Welcome to the Queen's Innovation Runway podcast. This podcast series is about sharing the emerging success stories from Queen's University and Eastern Ontario from startups through small to medium-sized enterprises. We hope you enjoy this episode. Okay, welcome everybody to this episode. As you know, this podcast series is about showcasing the emerging success stories from Queen's in Eastern Ontario. And in this episode, we're pleased to have one of the co-founders of Brilliant Technologies, Rob Hallsworth. Rob, welcome. Thank you, Jim. Great to be here. Now, you and uh, Lisa, your partner, have started Rilia more than three and a half years ago as a tech company that develops a software platform solution. Tell us what problem Rilia solved. Every, every organization has chemicals. It might be a few cleaners that uh, an office uses to keep things uh, disinfected and, and ready for work. It might be a couple of, hen- couple of hundred cleaners or chemicals in a dentist's office. Uh, a municipality might have uh, 2,000, and at Queen's University, you probably have in excess of 30,000 different chemicals. So every organization has these chemicals. I think most people understand that chemicals can be hazardous, and that the range of hazards found in chemicals can vary from the very minor, uh, something like maybe harmful in skin, uh, to something very serious, such as fatal if inhaled. So what we've seen is that most organizations lack the resources and the time to effectively manage those hazards, uh, thus exposing themselves, uh, their employees, and the environment to the potential of harm. So we're really working with organizations who want to safely manage those chemicals uh, efficiently and uh, come up with a better way to protect their people than they're doing today. Using software and some digital secret sauces behind the scenes, you take what I understand now is a paper process. So people could picture a relatively thick binder sitting outside the door of a laboratory as a classic example. Each chemical has something called a safety data sheet. That's about a 13 to 15 page document that outlines all the different hazards and safe use of every chemical. If an organization has quite a number of chemicals, you could see that manually reading a 13 page document times say even 500 chemicals, it's a a daunting task, almost an intractable task. And you've got a platform that basically summarizes that and and turns that into the digital aids to turn all that manual paper data into actionable information that allows uh, employers to keep their employees trained and up to date on the safe use of chemicals in the workplace. That's what we do. Um, Many people are familiar with WMIS, which is the, the set of regulations around those safety data sheets. Um, I, I started in the workplace before there was WMIS, so I know how hard it was to get information pre-WMIS on, on chemicals. So WMIS was a huge step forward. But the world has evolved and changed, and now, as you pointed out, bombarding people with uh, information they don't have time to read and maybe don't have the understanding to, to act on uh, is no longer sufficient. And so we're looking for a different way of doing it. And as you say, technology is the answer. And if we can take that 20,000 pages that, that a municipality might have and put that into a usable format that someone at 2 o'clock Saturday morning can access and understand the, the hazards and how to handle them safely, that's a big step forward. Yeah, in your platform, you can do that all right from a mobile phone, so very accessible. Let's take a step back and, and talk about the, the bigger problem. So you always hear about how smoking is bad for you and then sitting became the new smoking Talk to us about the general expanded use of the number of chemicals 
used in everyday life. And I know when uh, I've worked with you and Lisa, as really it was getting started, you shared a, a stat that's always stuck with me, and that is the average time it would take uh, somebody's living room to burn down has decreased significantly relative to 15, 20 years ago, largely attributable to all the chemicals that now go into the products that make up building materials. Chemicals have changed the way we live and interact with people. Uh, your furniture at home is a great example. A lot more chemical products that will uh, burn easier and hence the, the flammability concern in the average home. I mean, think about something as simple as construction materials. Things used to be nailed together, and now oftentimes people use glues. How many different types of paints are out there that, uh, that we use to you know, beautify our, our homes and our lives? And then there's other things, you know, the, the growing use of chemicals in the development of pharmaceuticals, in uh, clean water treatment. They're allowing us to get uh, weight out of cars uh, so that a lot of the polymers that are used in cars are much lighter than steel that has historically been used. So there's huge advantages to the use of these chemicals. And we're not anti-chemical. We're not saying, oh, we should stop using chemicals. What we're saying is, let's understand the hazards of those chemicals and make sure we protect people in the environment from those hazards. So the downstream consequences, workplaces that might be involved in manufacturing or research labs or you know, even auto repair shops are all using an increased footprint of chemicals. And the bigger concern I think you and Lisa hope to address with, with really is, is giving employers the tool to do digitally what wasn't really possible up till now, and that is allow people to understand their chemical inventory, understand the hazards, understand how to pair chemicals with proper personal protective equipment in hopes of looking at the big picture is reducing chemical exposure that may lead to uh, something that may surface in an employee's life much later, like some kind of uh, downstream uh, cancer due to chronic exposure. And that's a, a hard one to measure because of how long it actually takes for those kind of things to happen. But that's sort of the top of the pyramid for you and Lisa with your goals with Rilia. Yeah, and, and we have a, a great story of, of uh, <clears throat> in the medical community. Uh, doctors were using the soap to wash their hands between patients. And as you can imagine, doctors wash their hands fairly frequently over the course of the day. Once we got that safety data sheet for that soap loaded up into our system, we pointed out to them that the safety data sheet said the soap was suspected of causing cancer. And the question isn't, will the doctor get cancer from that soap? The question is, why would you take that risk when there's other soaps out there? They stopped using that soap that afternoon. They had no idea there was a, a carcinogenicity, cancer-causing area of the, of the soap, and went with something different. It was a lack of information, and it wasn't that the information was unavailable, but it was hidden in a document in a binder on a shelf that was really inaccessible to the doctors, and so they didn't act on it. And that's what we're, we're getting to is people make good decisions when they have good information, but information needs to come in a format that they can act on and see and understand. And that's all about the Aurelia software platform, taking information on the, the hazards associated with each chemical in the workplace, using your secret sauce to convert that to a platform that's easily viewed with a, a nice web user interface or on a mobile phone so that your health and safety professional can take a systematic look at the chemicals you have and sort them by hazard or sort by 
the personal protective equipment you need. Uh, really an elegant system to tackle this problem. That's our, our goal is, you know, people, as I said earlier, people make good decisions if they have good information. If you think about 200 chemicals in a dentist's office, 2,500 pages, how long would it take you to read 2,500 pages? You know, it's, it's the equivalent of 10 novels. It's weeks and weeks of time. And so we read that using software instantaneously. And then within seconds, if you said, how many cancer-causing products do we have, we would tell you. Now you can say, ah, oh, do I want to change these products out? Do I want to educate people on how to handle these products safely? So that's really step one is, what are the hazards? And what are those really dangerous hazards I alluded to earlier? Maybe fatal or fatal if inhaled is something that you probably want to be very cautious handling. Absolutely. And we, we had an example in Eastern Ontario. There was a building in downtown Kingston where there was an unfortunate incident of inadvertently mixing two chemicals that, that, that caused a, a kind of reaction. And that's the kind of thing I think you see your product helping where employers can keep employees informed about the potential dangers of things that seemingly fairly uh, routinely used, but in certain combinations uh, may result in some untoward reactions happening. What, what happens is sodium hypochlorite or bleach, as it's commonly known, Oftentimes, people have that in their homes, and they know that it's bleach because it says bleach or, or a Clorox or some type of trade name. But those end up in other products, and the product may have a name that completely unrelated to the chemical contents of the, of the product. So someone looking at the product label may read the label and say, oh, okay, I need to use you know, product Z to do my task without any understanding of the chemical composition. And then if they take a second product, maybe an acid that, again, is not marketed as an acid, but is marketed under a trade line to mix those two together. Now you've got chlorine gas. One of the things we do from a hazard perspective is we'll tell you every product you have in your organization that contains bleach. So you can then educate people about those products and the dangers of mixing them with other products. That's another piece of It's a different form of hazard, but it's the same basic concept of you need to know what your hazards are. I've had the pleasure of working with you and Lisa as you got started really from day one. All the startup advice usually says, make sure you're solving something that's a burning problem for your customers. In this case, I think really it has a bit more of an added challenge in educating businesses on just how important it can be to actively review, manage, train, eliminate if possible uh, your chemical footprint under current safety standards. Is that a fair statement? That was our, our huge challenge. Our first huge challenge was how do we communicate to people? As you say, um, people are familiar with chemicals. They're used to chemicals. They have binders of information and they feel they have it covered. So it's not a burning problem. It's not keeping them up at night. And so we've really had to work on how do we communicate to people what the problem is and what their exposure is. And, and what we've learned is we have to communicate differently to different people in the organization. At, at the senior level, the executive level, it's really about risk management. You know, every senior executive you know, has a huge portion of their responsibility about managing risk. This is a small part of that, but if you don't understand what your risks are, you're certainly not gonna manage them. At the, at the health and safety level, 
it's really about, you know, are you complying with the law and are you protecting people in the workplace? And how do you know if you're protecting people if you don't know what the hazards are? And then at the worker level, what we communicate with them is they don't want to read your 13-page document. So we give them a one-page summary. So it's really being, you know, learning how to communicate to people based on their responsibilities and how we can help them do their job. That's being the, the learning for that challenge. Let's turn to... So the idea of this podcast is to share emerging success stories. So there may be people listening, thinking about a startup. Take us back to the elements or the motivation that was in place to start really in the first place. You know, you and Lisa are, have deep domain expertise with industry related to the safe use of chemical handling. Give us an idea of what the spark was to to launch Relia. I think it's two it's two pieces, and Lisa and I come at it from slightly different perspectives because we have slightly different backgrounds. Lisa is a chemical engineer. She spent her, her uh, career working in the chemical industry, strong proponent of the use of chemicals, but also uh, a strong believer that we need to use those chemicals safely. And whether it's in personal healthcare products, uh, cleaning products at home, cleaning products in the workplace, she has a really strong desire to help people pick the best chemicals, safer chemicals to do the task. So it's really a, a passion to help people get the benefits of those chemicals while minimizing or eliminating the harm. My background is more on the managerial executive side of, of business. And one of the things that I saw is if you want people to do who, the right thing, you need to explain to them what the right thing is and give them simple, easy, easy tools to, to, to do that. And so my goal was how can we, you know, create this tool that gives people that simple information to allow them to do what Lisa wants to do, which is to safely use those chemicals. So that's where it came from. And I don't think we, when we started, we realized the importance of that passion and commitment to domain expertise to what we were trying to do. Because that's what I think, you know, keeps you going forward when you hit the inevitable bumps and, and uh, roadblocks and struggles along the way is a commitment and a passion to what the business is trying to accomplish beyond the solely financial measures, which are important, but they're, they're not as motivating as a desire to do something different. As you and Lisa were deep domain experts and understand, understood the problem in great detail, you know what I was, I was struck by and how impressed I was with how you and Lisa basically designed the software as non-coders to say this is the way we would like to organize a database, how would information would flow, how it's uh, structured in a way that we can add to it as the regulations change without taking up too much time. So, so walk us through how your design ended up working well with the uh, coding partner you brought in the business. <laughs> Uh, so our, we, we do have a third partner, Hit Hitton, who is our, who is our coder. He's fabulous. <laughs> Hitton Jadija. He's he's based out of the UK. He's fabulous, and he and I spend a lot of time. We call it pair coding, where I'm talking about what what I'm trying to accomplish, and he's talking about how to accomplish it, and we're you know back and forth. And I think impossible to do without technology, and you know to get us working across the ocean on this problem. But what I would say is I, I'm not a coder. But um, fortunate that when I started in the world of engineering, everybody had to take some degree of coding. I won't uh, date myself by saying what language that was in, but I did get the basics of coding and this idea of a logical process. 
So the algorithm which I designed is really based on this idea of what's a logical process. And then uh, Hitton would take that process and put it into code. And as we work together, I get a better understanding of how he was taking the algorithm and translating it to code. And he was getting a better understanding of how I was developing that algorithm. And we worked together. And a lot of that algorithm work was done, frankly, in Excel. And in fact, our first customer, we did the whole project for them in Excel. And Excel has a very logical process to it uh, with a lot of manual intervention. And, and the coding process completely took out the manual piece and made everything automated. That's a great word of advice for others thinking about a startup is just figure out how you can get your minimum viable product with existing tools so that you can work out the kinks, set up the proper data structures, workflows, algorithms, whatever those might be, so that you're not spending, which is probably the more labor-intensive time, coding and recoding as you go through that iteration. And one of the key pieces to that was we were able to take the, uh, the Excel documentation we created and create Word reports. So um, I think nowadays, People would call those, you know, a wireframe to say, what does it want to look like? Well, we just created it in Word because we didn't know what a wireframe was at that point and showed it to people and said, is this information useful? What would you like to see? And, uh, you know, reminded of Steve Jobs is people don't always know what they want, but when they see it, they'll know if they like it. And so that was a critical part was getting them something to say, does this meet your needs? And then iterating that back into the, into the uh, code itself. You're on to at least version three of your software. So you've gone through three major versions. Is it, is it more than that? Am I behind? So we're actually on version four and making plans for version five. Um, what, what I would say, Jim, is the first couple of versions were fine tuning the core of the algorithm around reading the safety data sheets and, and displaying the hazards information. Really revision three and four have been to expand uh, what's included in that offering so that now people can go and add their own workplace instructions to it that can actually be automated so that if you see a certain hazard, a certain set of workplace instructions will appear on that one page summary automatically. Uh, we're working on things to allow people to compare products, just as you might compare products based on price. If you're in the grocery store, we can now take a set of products for example, COVID-19 disinfectant and tell you the hazards of the different products and compare them. So you can say, well, I want a product that has the fewest number of hazards or that has no uh, asthmogens, for example, and pick the product that meets that need from a health and safety perspective. So Visions 3 and 4 have really been about expanding the tools associated with the software to make it even easier for people to get the right information and the right products into their, into their employees' hands. One of the interesting things about Relia Technologies is that you, Lisa, and Hitton have been actually focused on the province of Ontario to commercialize this. There'll be many times when startups get going and they want to go global right away, and some people would give that advice, but Relia has been committed to uh, build and grow this product in Ontario and Canada first. Give us some insights into your customer base and some of your customer success stories. We picked Ontario proximity obviously is the first one and the second one one of the advantages of having spent decades working in industry is you know a lot of people and so there was a lot of people we could talk to and say would you try this for us and some of those people 
our, our customers have been customers from day one. And so you need those fr friendlies, people who are willing to try something and give you the honest feedback. So that was one thing. The second is we really needed to know how customers used it. So we needed to go into their workplaces. We needed to talk to their employees. We've done surveys of people on the floor. One of our first clients, they worked Monday to Friday and Friday afternoon, I went and picked up their binder, brought it home so we could input it into our system and have it back to them when they opened up Monday morning. So it's those type of things is you have to make it really easy for your first customers to be your effectively your guinea pigs. So you need to have some type of relationship with them and then you need to offer them something that gets them to say, okay, well, we'll try it. And so that was definitely part of our success. Second piece is, you know, we incorporate a lot of the regulations into our software. So we tell you how you're doing versus the regulations. And we chose uh, Ontario, one biggest province, so the, the biggest market, to uh, my familiarity with the regulations in Ontario. So I knew what we needed to bring in. So that was the second piece is it, it leveraged our, not only our network of contacts, but our knowledge of the regulatory environment. Now we've had uh, our first customer just uh, renewed for the fifth year. So we've had uh, you know, pretty good success in retaining customers. We actually have never lost a customer. So we're a subscription model. Everybody has renewed every year. So our churn is zero. That, I feel pretty good about that. Uh, the other one is we've seen customers make some wonderful decisions. Uh, we've eliminated, or our customers working with us have eliminated about 500 chemicals from the workplace. And municipalities are a good example of uh, an organization that probably runs 50 to 150 different businesses when you think of roads or uh, maintenance or cleaning. So you picture chemicals distributed all over the place. Your software allows different sites to log their chemicals. You can have a rolled up view to look at all the chemicals you have in your organization and where they're being used, which could be uh, such a powerful tool, which you, obviously you can't do if you've got just a, a bunch of pieces of paper in a binder, which is kind of the traditional way it's done. And I think it gets to one of the pieces, you know, if, if we think about how people learn, you know, we learn when we're about to do something. And so if I'm, uh, uh, you know, working on a building as a part of the building maintenance group for this, for a city, and I'm maybe 30 kilometers away from my base and I come across something and I need to ask a question, I need the information then and not when I left, you know, the workplace. And so I can just pull up my phone and I can find that piece of information and, and make that decision. It's all presented to me. So that's a big piece of, you know, it's the power of the mobile phone is that people get the information when and where they need it as opposed to the traditional view of come into a classroom, we'll tell you everything you need to know and you just need to remember it so that when the time comes, you pull that nugget of information out of your head like you know Dumbledore with his pensive in Harry Potter and use it. That's not how most people function. It's I need it when I need it. Yeah, we have almost an infinite amount of information in the palms of our hands with our smartphone. So it would be consistent with the way most people look up information now. If you know, they're about to start a new procedure on a manufacturing line, look, open up your phone and just have a quick look through, make sure you're using the right gloves or air, you know, ventilation equipment, et cetera. One of the, uh, one of the pieces of information we're, we're most proud of is uh, the number of page views. So if you think, you know, think about a binder, we have, we're in 120 workplaces and that's about 4,000 employees. So, you know, in a three year period, how many times would those 4,000 employees go and look something up in a paper binder? 
couldn't tell you, but my guess is it's not very many. We can tell you with confidence, because we track it, that in our history, we've had 135,000 page views. So that's 135,000 times one of those 4,000 people went and looked up some information. So I think it's working. Rob, what would you say that the call to, to action is uh, for people? If there's uh, people in Eastern Ontario or anywhere in Ontario listening to this podcast and you have an interest of learning more about how to understand your chemical inventories and to use them safely and to train your employees, what's somebody's best place to learn more information? Great place to start is our website. You can go and look at our website. It's uh, reallyatechnologies.com. R-I-L-L-E-A-T-E-C-H-N-O-L-O-G-I-E-S dot com. That will give you an overview of what we do. It's got links to some blogs that talk about our, our beliefs of what we're trying to accomplish. Uh, you can email us off there. You can get our phone numbers off there. Everything you need to, to you know look at is right there. And what I would tell you is we're working with you you know, we work with our customers. We're not just a, we're not, we, we thought we would be a SaaS business. Here's some software off you go. And what we've learned is we're very much a service business. And so one of the things I think our customers would tell you is, you know, they, they love the service we give because we're committed to them helping work safely with chemicals. So if you want to work safely with chemicals, give us a call or check our website and then give us a call. Very good. Thank you. So we'll put that in the show notes. So Rob, thanks very much for taking the time to chat with us. As I say, always inspiring to see how you, Lisa, and Hitton are uh, building a business in Eastern Ontario based on something you felt a, a strong, compelling passion to bring to the marketplace. And we wish you'd continued success. Thanks. Thank you, Jim. Thank you for taking the time to, to listen to me today. Thank you for listening to this episode of Queen's Innovation Runway. If you like this podcast, please be sure to subscribe or drop us a comment. If you want to learn more about supporting research and innovation at Queen's in Eastern Ontario, please see our show notes for the list of organizations at Queen's that help startups 